0: The Toronto Maple Leafs and the Colorado Avalanche went toe-to-toe, but it was the reigning Stanley Cup champions that came away with the victory. We'll break it all down and also give you some news on a couple of Leafs prospects. This is the Locked On Leafs podcast for the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Your Locked On Maple Leafs, your daily podcast on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Lease podcast, your daily fix for all things Leafs. I'm your host, David Morzuti from Sportsnet, and I'm proud to be joined again by my good friend, Frank Stanishi, the host of Candid Frank Live on the Spanglish World Network. As always, Locked On Lease is a daily Maple Leaf-centric podcast, so be sure to subscribe for free wherever you get your podcasts from. And you can now catch us up on YouTube, Locked On Lease. Please make sure you go and subscribe and make sure you get that content each and every day, because it is your team every day. Frank, this was not, uh, you know, looking at the, the, the Leafs game against the Colorado Avalanche, if you told somebody that this game was going to end in a 2-1 shootout, I don't think many would
1: have believed you. I didn't believe it. No, just kidding. Um... It actually isn't a surprise, uh, it, and it shouldn't be a surprise at this time of year, David. I, I think the the really good teams will start to play the kind of game they'll need to play. You know, once that Stanley Cup challenge starts, and and it will be challenging. And the Leafs proved that they are up for the challenge of playing a great defensive game. And the most important thing um, is that they had the goaltending to back up that kind of play.
0: Yeah, they certainly did. It was a goaltending duel between Elias Samsonov and Alexander Georgiev. Uh, I, I mean, obviously Samsonov was definitely the busier of the two uh, goalies. But what you, yeah, I think you're totally right in that. I think both teams, uh, they look at this this game on the schedule here, and you know, in a way, it was a measuring stick game. You know, two playoff teams, two teams that have high hopes of going far in the playoffs. They need to put on a good showing. They need to show that you know, why that they're in that conversation of being a Stanley cup contender. And, you know, and and it's, you know, I think you're right. It's not surprising that both teams were trying to make it a point to be very stingy on defense and not give up a lot of offense. But when the offense did come, yeah, both goalies definitely needed to be sharp in this one. Samsonov, especially, I think he was, uh, I mean, he was, he was the busier of the two goalies and especially in, uh, kind of late third period, he had to make a, a few saves, and, you know, the Avalanche, their speed was apparent last night. You saw, you know, a guy like Valerie Nichushkin coming in on a breakaway because of a broken play uh, in the leave zone. Uh, you saw Kale McCarr just decide when he wants to flip the switch and go on a on a solo Bobby Orr effort. He can do that. And I thought, Ilya, and, and the fact that, you know, Ilya Samsonov hasn't played in a week, you know, that also shows, you know, his, you know, that he, there was no rest of him. He knew what the challenge was. He knew also what the stakes were kind of for himself in this game as well, because there's, there's all this talk about which goaltender will get the game one start. I know a lot of people are like, well, it should be Samsonov. off, uh, you know, Matt Murray still has uh, you know, some pull with, with the, with the Leafs brass here. So it's not exactly set in stone. In a way, But I think Elias Samsonov, uh, he showed that, you know, what he can do when he has to be asked to rise to the occasion. I think a performance like this helps kind of gives himself a little bit of that head start in that conversation of the playoff starting uh, job.
1: Nothing says um, nothing says team wants to play a closer game being the Leafs than the fact that they were in their second shootout of the season. Let me repeat their second shootout of the season. That is, uh, that is something that tells you that goal scoring is limited. Um, and, and the game was true to the shootout, whether you like shootouts or not, uh, what we saw was a very, you know, this, this was really as close as it gets for a loss to be a win. You know, it was such a tiny, tiny margin that the you know the Stanley Cup champs won by, and and it really was a good look for the Leafs. But I guess maybe we expect too much. Maybe Leaf fans expect too much of their best players. We see Mitch Marner do some things, work some magic. We've seen some beautiful goals recently. We've seen a couple of guys that the Leafs have traded for showing some good stuff. But in this game, you're right. I agree hundred percent. And you know, you mentioned about four players as far as speed is concerned on the Colorado Avalanche, and you didn't mention McKinnon,
0: yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> and, and you know what? I, I felt so bad for Stamsonov because I, I was listening. I actually also went to the TNT broadcast, the, the American broadcast, just to kind of get their thoughts on the game as well. And they said, oh, a nice change of pace play by Nathan McKinnon to score on the shootout there. And I'm just like, he didn't even get the shot off properly. That's kind of what fooled (laughs) Samsonov. Samsonov think he was going high glove. He flubbed the shot and it went low and it just, and it just beat Samsonov. He actually got a piece of it. Um, And I thought he was excellent in the shootout as well. And, And yeah, the Leafs haven't really had a lot of practice in the shootout. As you said, it was only their second shootout of the season. And yeah, I thought, you know, Yorgiev played the especially the Marner attempt pretty well you know Marner kind of lost he got a little too close with the moves there and that's kind of what Mitch Marner does and Georgiev let's just say he did his he had the great scouting report in that situation for sure
1: yeah he made a really good decision there and you know um, Marner's had a lot of success recently in tight so you can understand why he go to that well but you know it's it's uh it's one of the things that players, you know, they need to regulate, uh, you know, how they do things. They need to adjust, and the truth is, if you if it's successful, you're going to go to that well all the time. It's what you're going to do, and it's things like this and that poke check that changes Márner's approach. Maybe next time for something else. Uh, you know, it, it you got to change things up from time to time. And I agree with you with Sansonov. Um, I was impressed with the way he played. He looked very sharp. Uh, he, his edges were amazing last night. You know, his moves from side to side were, were he was he was playing like he was very ready to play. And you're right. Having been off for a week, you wouldn't expect him to be that sharp. And he was, he was needed to be sharp from the very beginning of the game. You know, it, it was, um, you know. 70 minutes of, of, if you count the shootout too, of of him being very, very sharp. And uh, I really liked his play. Uh, and I think also the, the, the big thing for the Leafs here as far as an overview of the game, they played well, you know? And, and, and you know, it, it's not something that, that they can take uh, a lot of criticism about, but what they can take from it is a a reminder because this game now, the coach can put this on the bulletin board and say, so remember that Colorado game? We got to do more of that. The result didn't work out, but we got to do more of that.
0: Yeah, I know for sure. And uh, the Leafs had only 18 shots on goal in in this one. Hmm. That's not what you like to expect from the Leafs. You know, I understand it's a tight checking game. That was their lowest shot total of the season as well. Does that concern you at all that, you know, only 18 shots on goal? I. It's not like the big the the big players didn't show up in this game. They did. They were all over the ice. But does the 18 shots on goal kind of make you a little concerned?
1: When you take into context that they had, I think, five or six penalties, mm. um, that does create an imbalance in shots. And when you're shorthanded that often, they, they only had uh, two power plays. Um that makes a difference. Power plays make the difference, especially when you're talking about two teams that actually are good at the power play. So, you know, it's part of their, you know, meat and potatoes. So am I surprised or, or that they had 18 shots? No. Uh, it, it's getting to be that time of year. Um, the team itself has gone through a bit of a change. You know, they they disposed of, and I say this with all due respect to the players that are gone, and brought players in that are less known for their shooting, less known for their offense, more known for their responsibility. So there's already, I think a couple of shots lost per game because of the lineup they have.
0: Yeah, I know. I definitely think, you know, they're still tinkering with the lineup. They're still tinkering with where, with where players are going. So, uh, well, we'll I, I'm not. Yeah, it's hard to be too overreactive to that. Uh, it's not like the Leafs uh, were taken to the uh, wood chipper in this game either. All right. Uh, it, so we are going to break down this game, continue to break down this game and give our good, bad and the ugly. But before we do that, let me talk to you about one uh, of today's show sponsor, and it is the FanDuel Sportsbook. It is the midway point of the NBA season and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book because new customers get a no sweat first bet of up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if you don't if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use and you can bet on everything from money line, point scores, threes drained, and, you know, if you're wanting to bet NHL, you can bet on shots on goal. Who's going to who's gonna win the next game for the Leafs against the Carolina Hurricanes? All of those things. Plus, FanDuel lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. And with the March Madness tournament coming up, you may want to parlay a few games together and see how many you can get right and increase your odds at a better payout. So don't miss out on your chance to get your no-sweat first bet. Up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to fanduel.com slash locked on. That's fanduel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with Fanduel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA and the Locked On Podcast Network. I want to welcome you back to the Locked On Leads podcast. It's your team every day. David Morrissey here with Frank Stenici, who continues to help uh, fill in with uh, Mike DiStefano on vacation. Uh, Mike's gonna be gone for the rest of the week, so Frank is uh, agreed to join me for the final episode of the week as well. So uh, that will be coming out tomorrow. So Frank, I would like to thank you. You're uh, you probably you're now reaching the echelon of uh, recurring guests. I think, uh, oh man, compensation might have to be <laughs> added to your uh, added to you in some way, shape, or form. We we appreciate that. The proverbial
1: we, I guess. Yeah, no, appreciate that. And uh I, I, I got to tell you, it's a lot of fun doing it. Always nice to talk about hockey. um It is the game that uh, many of us of my generation. It was it and the Argos football were the two, the two sports. One in the summer, one in the winter. There wasn't any baseball in Toronto. I was a Yankee fan growing up, so this is fun to do. So I appreciate doing it with you. And as a friend, I. I Really appreciate you reaching out to me to help you out and do this. So I, it's an honor to do it.
0: Well, and uh, since you're here for your first post-game show, it uh, I'm just going to explain how the next part of our podcast works. And those who haven't listened to the podcast before, after every Leafs game, we either do a three stars if the Leafs lose, or we do the good, bad, and the ugly if the Leafs lose. So if they don't win, we got we to gotta bring out the bad and the ugly, but also we, we don't all go all negative. We bring up something good that happened in this game. So um, I'll go first. Um, and the good thing for me that I saw in this game was I thought this was Morgan Riley's best game in a really long time. And look, Morgan Riley has been the whipping boy the last ever since he came back from his knee injury pretty much. I understand that everybody's saying that it's because of Morgan Riley that the Leafs' defense hasn't looked the way that it has you know when he was out. I think there may be yes yeah, some truth to that because he has not been playing well defensively. And part of the reason why he hasn't been playing so well defensively is because he's also not doing the things offensively that make him the defenseman that he is. And in this game, I, I mean, first off, he should have had two goals. He did have a goal his third of the season. And... I I think what you saw was he was making these simple plays on defense. You know, he's not a shutdown defenseman. We know that that's been – that's not the defenseman he is. There are not many defensemen that can do those things on both ends of the ice. Morgan Riley is an offensive defenseman. He can make some smart plays defensively, and we saw it in this game. I think his best play on defense obviously came on a two-on-one that he broke up, and he played it perfectly – that's what the the Leafs are going to need for Morgan Riley when the playoffs come around and the fact that he can do this sort of effort against a playoff team like the Colorado Avalanche should make people maybe a little you know it, it should ease I, it's not going to ease the concern totally but I think it should make people realize that there is something there. Morgan Riley just needs to work himself to do it on a consistent basis
1: when Morgan Riley isn't playing well defensively, Um, it becomes very obvious and a concern when he doesn't play well offensively. Because let's be clear, uh, in the great scheme of things with the Toronto Maple Leafs, he is the offense from the defense. He is the guy that's supposed to do that. He is part of the mix in that regard. So when he doesn't score and we concentrate on his defense – he doesn't look as good overall as a player. He comes from the Inga Hammerstrom school of defense. Um, and Inga Hammerstrom always said, I don't have to hit anybody. And I don't have to chase players with the puck. I just have to have the puck. And so if Morgan Riley, when he gets the puck, does something positive with it, it, it and for the most part, to your point, anything, including things mostly that are simple, He simplifies his game. He's a much better defenseman. And I noticed one thing in that game, David, uh, I hope you noticed it too. And I hope the Leaf fans noticed it. The one thing that he looked better at in that game was his shooting. Not just because he hit the post and not just because he scored a, uh, a goal, but because the velocity of the puck and the accuracy was more of what we expect from Morgan Riley. So maybe he's turned the corner. We'll see. I don't think it's fool's gold. I think I believe he's turning the corner. And if he can play the way he did last night against teams that are not as good as Colorado, not as prepared defensively as Colorado, those three goals that he's had so far this year, within the next two weeks, he could double that easily.
0: Yeah, no, that's, that's the thing about Morgan Riley; He doesn't have the booming slap shot from the point that most defensemen have. He does have a a decent wrist shot. The guy scored 20 goals in a season before. Um, It's just it's not, you know, especially when you see all the all the uh, all the firepower that the Leafs have. Morgan Raleigh isn't expected to be the shooter. He is supposed to be the facilitator more times than not. But if he can add, if he can make teams realize that he will take those offensive opportunities to shoot, because you look at Colorado, I don't think they expected Morgan Raleigh to walk down there and shoot as much as he did in this game teams are not going to maybe start to take notice of that. And if he can get that shot off and he can get it accurate, as you said, it's going to make teams rethink whether they're going to drop their, all their defensive players low in the zone to cover all the Leafs forward. So that was definitely a big, uh, a big point for Morgan rally there break. Did you have anything different, good about the game that you wanted to bring up? Uh, Well, we talked about their defensive game. We
1: talked about Riley. I think that, again, the good part of the game was goaltending. We talked about it, but that was, to me, that was, those are the three, the defensive game of the Leafs, Morgan Riley, and their goaltending. Those, to me, were three of the most important good things about that game.
0: Yeah, when you hold the Colorado Avalanche to one goal in regulation play, you should feel very good about your chances to win. And this was a team also that had eight goals the game, per, the game prior, yes, it was against the Montreal Canadiens. I understand the Montreal Canadiens are not a very good team right now. But Colorado, you know, they, they can put up eight goals in a game. They can put up six goals in a game. They're just like the Leafs in that regard. So the fact that they held them to one goal does really speak to the Leafs' commitment to playing high-caliber defense. So And and a big part of that, and it probably should have been more than one goal if it wasn't for Ilya Samsonov and let's be honest Samsonov got a little bit of luck in overtime I thought the game was over when Tuchkin was left alone in front and almost buried a rebound but the hockey god said no 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 Elias Samsonov deserves better than that and that was kind of a bad for me which was this was another game where I felt like the Leafs kind of left their goalie out to dry at times making plays or trying to make plays I know the offense was tough to come by but you know he had can come in on a breakaway because this was probably the only play I could give Morgan Riley a bad one on, where Morgan Riley tries to bat the puck down but it doesn't go his way and it comes back, and it almost became a shorthanded goal for the Avalanche and the Leafs uh, have had some issues with that when they've been on the man advantage, but I, I thought again you know there's times where where players were left open in front of the net, you know I, I think this is more of uh, has to be more of a system breakdown. From the Leafs, than it is, you know, players just leaving guys open because this like I see it and players are left open because of positioning of defensemen, and that speaks to me a little bit of the system that they're playing under Sheldon Keith. At least that's my belief. I don't know if you feel the same way.
1: Uh, Sheldon Keefe's coaching, you know, he he's won a championship in the AHL. The guy on the other side, same thing, has won everywhere, and you know, and he's won a Stanley Cup. So, as far as coaching is concerned, I, I I have to tip the hat to Colorado's team. Uh, as far as coaching is concerned, they they I'm not going to say they were they out coached the lease, but they coached they coached just a tiny bit lit a little bit better. So, yeah, I I kind of agree with you for sure. Um, as far as uh, the you know the good is concerned, we talked about that. The bad for me was um, the under twenty shots. inability of the stars to make a difference and the surprise one that you know was Lilligren and the penalties those those two things Toronto's usually a very disciplined team Um, this isn't an officiating issue folks (laughs) this was this was too many men on the ice uh getting your stick and tripping a guy um but the Biggest bad for me was Lilligren in the sense of why we talked about Morgan Riley and how good he's looks. Right, the Leafs need Lilligren; they need him to be in that second pairing to be. Um, he he needs to generate some offense because we know he can do it. And since he's been sat down for a few games, he's had difficulty coming back to a level that we're accustomed to with him.
0: Yeah, no, I think uh, I think Timothy Lilligren, you know. We want to see Timothy Lilligren play as much as possible. But Timothy Lilligren is the young player. He needs to earn his way into that lineup. And when he makes a mistake like he did in overtime where he tries to make a, you know, a routine pass out of the zone, he flubs it, and then he decides to pass it back as a reset instead of trying to get the puck for. There's nothing worse you can do that when you have numbers against you is to pass it back and not get enough on it, and it leads to a two-on-one. That game could have been over in that moment, and we would have been talking about a very different thing in, on this podcast and it being Timothy Lilligren costing the Leafs, potentially costing the Leafs the game off of a oh, just a, a brutal play. And, you know, Timothy Lilligran has had good moments, and he's also had bo- bad moments, and I, I think that was going to be my ugly there, which was, um, you know, that could have been a very ugly moment for him on top of the penalties. You know, you have to be disciplined. And the reason why Colorado was able to have as many chances, as you said, was because they were on the power play for a good amount of time. And this is what happened against the Sabres. The Leafs had the Sabres dead to right at 2 nothing. Then they took a few penalties and let the Sabres back into the game. The Leafs kill their own momentum better than some other teams do, and it's because they get undisciplined and take those penalties. And Timothy Lilligren gets gets uh, caught up in that a little bit. but you know, they gotta they gotta find a way to settle their game a little bit better in those moments. I think Lilligren is these are still learning moments for him as a young defenseman.
1: Yeah, they've got to learn. The Leafs have got to learn when they make this decision to play really well defensively. They have to learn how not to cross the line too often during the game. You know, because you're hugging the line. Defense, defense means you're crowding the opposition. Defense means you're trying to, you know, get the puck off the other team. You're using your stick. We know that the Leafs love to do that. Look at Marner and Matthews. Uh, we saw broke uh, two broken sticks, uh, penalties um you know that that kind of stuff uh is is basically the team trying to do what the coach wants them to do in this situation so that has to be fine tuned uh for me i so i agree with you on the ugly um uh, and for me the the, the other ugly was uh, the lack of offense and the shootout was ugly yeah. ugly is when you don't score a, th- a goal out of 3 attempts good is if you score once
0: <laughs> yeah, I be mean, no,
1: bad th- if you score once good as if you score all three times. So for me, that's why it's the ugly and the shootout was the ugly for me.
0: I think Austin Matthews attempt was a little ugly for me. You know, he's usually pretty good at the shootout. He's the only one that scored in the last shootout that the Leafs had. Um, yeah, I think the uh, I this is why the shootout is just it just seems like some players like some teams just they don't expect they don't apparently don't expect it that much. Um, but uh, I wish, I wish uh, the Leafs had yeah a, bit, a little bit of a better uh, luck there. The Marner, the Marner one that was just a good play by Georgiev, but I thought Matthews attempt could have done a little better. Nylander. I thought he made a decent attempt at it as well. Um, but I think maybe, uh, you know, the Matthews one was the one that was a little ugly for me. That's for sure.
1: You know, this group under Keith, um, Historically speaking, has always been a team that plays its best games in the 60 minutes. I know they played bad games there, but to my the point I'm trying to make is, if you noticed under Keith, one of the problems the Leafs had under him was overtime. You know they had they they allowed goals real early, and and now we see with the shootout. So I I don't know if that's if I'm pointing at a coaching problem or or a mentality that the players have but they play much better in that 60 minutes. They've worked out the issue with overtime because they played much better in overtime as they did in this game. And now the shootout, uh, but how can you judge them on two shootouts a season? I don't think it. it's a trend. <laughs> I don't think you can call it a trend, but it's something they need to think about. You know, it's not something that they need to work on for the Stanley cup playoffs, but it is something they've got to, they've got to, you know, make that stuff happen you know when they need it to happen because in a microcosm the shootout is a lot like at the end of the game when it's 2-2 or at the end of the game when they're losing 2-1 or as what as happened the other day when they were behind 2-nothing and they scored that goal late so you know it's 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 all about the big play and the Leafs need to find big plays that that to me uh is the ugly more than tonight uh, or last night i should say um that's the ugly for me too is that the big play you know they just couldn't make the big play
0: yeah, they just couldn't find that big play in the big moment as well. So, yeah, that's something that they'll have to work on and continue to learn from uh, because the playoffs are not going to make it any easier. All right, we're going to take one more break. And when we come back, uh, there's some news regarding some Leafs prospects that I wanted to get to. So we're going to get to that on the other side. Again, this is the Locked On These Podcasts, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Welcome back into the Locked On These Podcast. David Morasuti here with Frank Stanishi. And it's not often that, you know, we see the Leafs make a signing at this point of the season. And I'm sure if people were expecting the Leafs to sign a prospect, it would be Mr. Matthew Nyes. But it was not Matthew Nyes who got the uh, entry-level contract. It was Ryan Tverberg who was uh, signed to a deal for three years. It does not start this season couple reasons why that doesn't start this season one being the Leafs want to save that contract slot for Matthew Nyes if he does decide to come at the end of his NCAA season and also Ryan Tverberg is going to be starting with the Toronto Marlies so the good thing that the Leafs can do in these situations with one of their NCAA players is that they can sign him and then they do it with some of their other um, junior players as well when they know for a fact that they're not coming to the NHL this season they're going to sign them to an AHL tryout or an AHL contract, and they can play in the AHL for the rest of the season. So Ryan Turek is going to be making his way to the Toronto Marlies after his season at the University of Connecticut. And really, this is uh, this is a nice little story here because he was the very last pick, the least made in the 2020 draft. He was uh, he was the fifth last pick overall. Um, at two hundred thirteen, overall, those are the types of players where uh, you know front offices are like, let's just let's see, let's just see what we can do here, and uh, you know he's been, it's been a slow working way for him. You know, it's been it's been three years, um, and Toronto need to make a decision on his future because if he was left unsigned there would have been some teams that would have tried to get him uh, signed if he didn't get it. And, and the Leafs need to make a decision on that because they would have lost the right. Um, so just to give you a few more notes before I ask uh, for your opinion here, Frank. Um, so obviously a bit of an underdog story here, considering he's a seventh round pick. Um, I was actually just doing some research uh, yesterday when the deal was made and Uh, Jason Bucala of uh, Sportsnet, who breaks down a lot of their prospects. What he likes about Ryan Tverberg is the fact that he was used in all situations in college. This is not a player who is relying just on his offense to be a player. Um, Four of his 15 goals that he scored this season were on the power play, so this is not someone that relies on power play to get his chances on that. He plays the penalty kill. He's a, he's reliable in that role. Jumps loose pucks, pressures opponents up the ice before they set up their breakout. Uh, fills in the lanes, collapses to assist around the crease. So a very aware player in all three zones. He averaged 19 minutes a game, um, and he actually had some nights where he played over 22 minutes. So this is a player that, you know, for a seventh round pick for a player that didn't have a lot of uh, you know that high stature. And also, not the biggest of players. You know, he, he when he was drafted, he was five foot ten, hundred sixty eight pounds. He's now at five foot hundred and eighty pounds. So he brought it. He he noticed that he needed to get a little bit more weight to him, and uh, to in order to be an effective player. And now, you know, he's put himself in a position to earn his next uh, his next chance at professional hockey.
1: Yeah, he. Um he's a player who has really improved his game and uh you know i mean they uh, when i saw this that you know he he had consideration for the hobie baker award that, that that kind of surprised me because that's a pretty special award uh for a seventh round pick um you know he, he also uh was on the first all-star team uh, of the east of the ncaa uh, and he was on the second all-star american team on the east and so you know he he has obviously made himself noticeable, and, and, and I think that's why what you said is very important. If the Leafs didn't sign him, uh, they might not have got him. Uh, so, you know, the, he's on everybody's radar. He's now in the American Hockey League. Uh, we all know that the Leafs uh, practice facility accommodates both teams, both the American League team and the National Hockey League team. So, you know, the best people that can teach players how to play Will be within arm's distance. In fact, they're just a hallway away. Um, both rinks are side by side. Um, I helped build that place, so I know that for a fact. Um, so, so basically, uh, he's in he, he's in a great position. He's in a great position to become even a better player with even better people teaching him. And and Kyle Dubas made a very very eloquent appreciation of UConn. Uh, when he introduced the kid and introduced the fact that he signed him. Very impressed with UConn and the work they do. And now it's up to the Leafs to take the kid the rest of the way. And uh, we're going to get a, our first chance to look at how he plays in professional hockey with the Marlies.
0: Yeah, and uh, Jason Buchla actually said that it's going to take some time. He's probably going to be pl- deployed in many different roles, as you said. Kyle Dubas says that UConn did a good job getting him started. It's now our t- our, it's our our job to finish what they started, or what what they were doing. Because you no, know, it started when he was much younger than when he started at UConn. But Jason Bucha said that if everything goes right, this is a player that could be a middle six NHL forward. So possibly third line. You know, if if he can reach even higher than that second line potential, but I think uh, third line would be. If you get a third line player out of a seventh round pick, I think you are, uh, I think you're going to be quite happy with your scouting and development staff. That's for sure.
1: A third line special teams player, which makes him kind of a top six
0: eight. Yeah, no, very much so. And those are always valuable players. You know, you always try to trade for those at the NHL trade deadline. We just did it. Maybe <laughs> you know what? I'm going to say this. Maybe if he can become that Sam Lafferty type player,
1: absolutely, absolutely uh he's um you know he's got a great opportunity here with toronto i've said this before and i'll continue to say it. one of the things that happens with the college players on a team like the leafs that aren't drafting as many players as most teams uh they become valuable to the organization and the organization is going to treat them like an upper pick
0: yeah no that's for sure and uh you know a lot of the a lot of the talk has been on another prospect, and we were you brought up the Hobie Baker Award, and for good reason because Matthew Nyes, the Leafs' top prospect in the system, is going to be he is among the ten finalists for the Hobie Baker Award, and uh, I mean, and there's uh, there's a good reason why he is among the candidates for the uh, Hobie Baker Award. Um, just to give you an idea here that. He is among players like Logan Cooley, who is a top five pick in the NHL draft. Adam Fantili, uh, who is another player that could be picked very high in the NHL draft at this upcoming draft. Sean Farrell, a very top prospect for the Montreal Canadiens. Colin Graf, Lane Hudson, Devin Levi, who we know is another one of those seventh round picks that have kind of blossomed into a really good NHL prospect. Uh, Yaniv, uh paredes sorry i'm just trying to read a very small font here uh blake pietila and jason poland are all among the top 10 finalists and matthew nyes is uh one that many are kind of believing that could actually uh win this award he had a obviously a great season at the uh university of minnesota during the regular season he had 21 goals and 19 assists for 40 points in 35 games this season, and if I'm not mistaken, uh, he was also named the Big Ten Player of the Year. So in the Big Ten yep. Conference, he was among the uh, top skaters there. And now the question becomes: Where, when does the Leafs? When does that news come that he is going to be joining the Leafs? I think he had some unfinished business, and he wanted to go back, and you know, it felt like he just needed another year. He's accomplished everything he can personally at the NCAA level, especially if he can come away and win the Hobie Baker Award. But there's also the the case of winning the uh, NCAA men's hockey tournament, and it will be starting the Frozen Four on Saturday at 2 o'clock as the University of uh, Minnesota, the Golden Gopher, um, will be – that's going to be obviously the team uh, to watch for in this one. Uh, I'm actually just wanted to pull up the schedule here to see when they were going to be playing. Um, I believe it's Saturday. Might even be earlier than that. But Matthew Nye, a lot of people wondering when will we expect him to be with the Leafs, Frank. And do you think do you think this is a foregone conclusion? He is going to be coming. He's going to be coming to the Leafs not too long. No, not too long after the whatever happens with his season.
1: I don't think there's a doubt. And 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 I look forward to um the way he plays. He is going to be a top 6 right out of the right out of the hop. He's going to be a top 6 forward. And the reason he's going to be a top 6 forward is his ability to to basically move the puck around in tight spaces. And and he's going to be also a bit of a an anomaly uh on the ice. Be a player that Opposition teams aren't really sure what he's going to do as much as the Leafs aren't sure how well he's going to play and how effective he's going to be. But we do know he's his biggest talent is his size and his ability to protect the puck. And and that's going to be a characteristic that's very handy in the playoffs. And can you imagine him on a line with Marner? I'm just my head's exploding, wondering how that would look, you know, because he's a lot like Matthews, right? He's got the size and he and he can he can move the puck around. I, I'm not sure how good his shot is compared to Matthews. Maybe the Matthews of last year, no, but maybe the Matthews of this year, yes. You know, wrist issues uh, under consideration. I'm dying to see what this kid looks like um, playing for the Leafs, uh, and unfortunately, it won't be probably until the playoffs or towards the end of the season. And you're right about that contract. And what we do have is we have a, a goaltender here on the Leafs that has had issues with long injuries. So maybe even the other kid, Verber gets a chance if for some reason Murray goes down, you know, we, we know that we know that Leafs, you know, have Samsonov. We know that this kid is really good and we know they've got a contract open for him, but I really like the idea that, uh, He's gonna he's gonna sign and he's gonna be with the Leafs and I'm looking forward to what he looks like.
0: Yeah, and sorry, you mean uh Joseph Wall. Um, Joseph Wall, yeah. I know some people were wondering what's what's the next thing for uh Joseph Wall. And yeah, we uh we're not entirely too sure what uh, the future holds for him, but uh yeah, this is gonna be a very uh it's gonna be a very interesting time because, you know, the the Michigan uh t- University of Minnesota team is a very good hockey team they're stacked this is probably that one of the better teams when it comes to um you know when it when it comes to ncaa teams like they are like them in michigan are mono y mono in that regard so the uh, minnesota golden gophers will be taking on the michigan state spartans on saturday march 16th at eight o'clock that is the big 10 hockey semifinal, and of course if uh the Gophers go all the way and win the Big Ten, and they will play in the Frozen Four. So, we might not see Matthew Nice until late end of April, and that's uh, that's going to be it's going to be tough to expect him to make the jump a few days after winning a, uh, a championship. But it would not be something that we haven't seen at the NHL Absolutely. level. Absolutely. Uh, we've seen it many times with players uh, coming over. I think the most notable one that I remember was Charlie McAvoy, who made his playoff, his NHL debut, also in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Teams are willing to do it if they believe the player has the potential. And the Leafs have been playing eleven and seven for a long time. And somebody was, uh, somebody actually mentioned to me, maybe that twelfth four spot is being held for a particular player that they. They want to give the defenseman their time because once the 12 and six potentially comes back that 12th forward. Now we know that Ryan O'Reilly will be back and that makes it 12 as well, but maybe another player comes out in favor of a young Matthew Nyes. It's there's still, there's still a lot to be wrinkled out here. We have to also see when Matthew Nyes will come back. There's no guarantee his team goes all the way, although it's most likely a God. uh, It's almost a conclusion based on how that team is doing, but we'll see how that all plays out there.
1: Yeah. That's an admission by Keith that, that 11 and seven, that, that he has more players on the forward group that are inked in than the defensive group. There's a lot of pencils in, yeah. in, in, in the defensive group and, and, and it's chemistry too. You know, there's, uh, there's always two players that play well together on defense and, and they're trying to search for that. And, and, While you're searching for that, why not have an extra
0: defenseman? Yeah, and we'll discuss a little bit more about the lineup and things like that when the Toronto Maple Leafs take on the Carolina Hurricanes. And it's going to be a very special game because it's St. Paddy's Day and we'll uh, be breaking out a little bit of that green in that game. So we'll discuss that and we'll uh, preview the game. And then they also have the Ottawa Centre, so the Battle of Ontario will be renewed that will be on the next episode, which will come out on Friday, and Frank has already agreed to join me. I'm putting Frank on the spot here if he, if he decides to duck out with After know. all
1: that wonderful talk about me, I'm wondering if I should hold out for a better contract. Yeah,
0: <laughs> He's gonna pull the Mitch Marner here. I see how I see how it is.
1: No, no, I'm more of a I'm over a more of a Nylander.
0: Okay, all right. So yeah, you're I just, just you're you're actually gonna hold out. All right, we'll see how that goes there. Um, thank to thank you all for coming and listening to the show and for subscribing. Make sure you continue to lo- listen to Locked On Leafs each and every day, five days a week. We are bringing you content, and also make sure you tell all your friends to go and subscribe on YouTube, Locked On Leafs. We're trying to get to five thousand by the end of the year. We're, we're in a good we're in, we're we're still in the up climb. We haven't lost subscribers, which is good. But I want to see uh, hopefully by the playoff time, we really really increase that uh, subscribership. So make sure you go and do that. Follow myself on Twitter at the underscore morrisuti, and you can follow Frank on Twitter at candid frank live, and follow the show at locked on these. Nice. We'll be back, as I said, with another episode on Friday where we'll preview the game against the Carolina Hurricanes and Ottawa Senators and maybe talk a little bit more about the lineup and if uh, certain players, maybe another player needs to find his way back. in. Until then, we'll keep it locked right here on Locked On Leaves.